Welcome to D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. I'm D.T. Kane, author of the epic fantasy series The Agersfar Saga and The Spoken Books Uprising. Each week, I read from one of my novels, discuss my writing process, answer your questions, and have general discussions about fantasy fiction. It's like a book club, except I do all the work for you. Find show notes, info about all my novels, and much more at dtkane.com. Here's the show. Chapter 26 Baz lurched out of the armchair so quickly his hat fell off the front of his head. He juggled it in both hands to keep it from hitting the floor, then slammed it back down on his scalp. Stop this nonsense, he shouted. What are you going to do, just cut her open while she lays there unconscious? Maeve scoffed. You think she'd prefer to be awake for it? Illiterate ink, woman! You sound like a reader doling out punishment to a wayward speaker. Maeve was across the room in a step. Her bony hand was like a sledgehammer as it backhanded him across the face. This time his hat did topple to the ground, and his worm-tooth necklace rattled his way out from beneath his tunic, the leather pouch Ogues had given him flopping out alongside it. Maeve! Emma cried out. He's a seeker! You will not treat him like that! The titles you assign yourselves down in that little hiding place of yours mean little to me, dearie. If you'd ever spent even five minutes in one of the cities, you'd understand how dangerous it is letting that girl go. Maeve's words were drowned out by an enraged cry from over Baz's shoulder. Liana flew past him, a shard of the broken book dragon statue in her hand. Maeve stepped back as fast as she darted toward Baz, but Liana still scored a slice across the woman's forearm. The midwife's eyes were more furious than surprised, though, and Liana had left herself in an indefensible position, off balance and stumbling. Maeve raised her dagger, aimed at the spot right between Liana's shoulder blades. Baz kicked Maeve in the shin. That did surprise her, a gasp escaping from her lips. The dagger fell well short of Liana, and Maeve faltered sideways. Briefly, Baz's eyes darted to Emma's. She seemed torn between kicking him in the shin and lunging for Maeve's dagger. Run! Baz cried. That hadn't been necessary, as Liana was already sprinting out of the room. He followed after her. They barreled down the corridor, around the corner past the cab, and out of the Iron Dragon. They exited onto a platform similar to the one they'd left behind back beneath Fable. But unlike the Shadow Ink factory at Fable, there didn't seem to be a soul in the space beyond this platform. All for the better, as Baz doubted anyone would be sympathetic to them once they saw Maeve and Emma giving chase. Up there! Liana pointed to a sliver of light maybe a hundred feet away and twenty feet above them. She rushed toward it and Baz followed without question. What else was he going to do? Wait for Maeve to catch up? He was pretty certain he'd been added to the list of people she intended to kill today. A set of rickety stairs appeared out of the darkness, and they climbed. The stairs creaked in a manner that, under any other circumstances, would have sent Baz back to the ground looking for an alternative way up. But with adrenaline in his veins and fear in his heart, he hardly noticed. A small part of his mind realized that, 
for perhaps the first time, he was more concerned about another's well-being than his own. It was a thought that would haunt him later, he was sure, but there was no time now. The stairs ended at a wide dirt landing. Ahead was the light Liana had pointed out from below, a bright glow as if a passageway had been covered by a large object. They rushed up to it, and Liana began pounding her fists at the darkness framed by the light. How do we open it? she panted. Baz had been a few steps behind her and came up alongside Liana, hands on his knees and gasping for air. He'd never been one for running, much less upstairs. You can't just push it out of the way? No, it won't budge. Baz gave the dark blockage a tentative shove. It was cold like stone beneath his fingertips and, more to the point, just as solid. They're up there! Emma's voice was shrill from down below. Baz glanced over his shoulder. Emma was on the Iron Dragon platform, Maeve limping behind her. She had her bow, the glowing quiver clutched in one hand. Shredded pages, Baz muttered, turning back to the obstruction. It's likely an illusion. I've seen Emma cast one like it before. Too late, Baz realized what the statement revealed to Liana. If she noticed, though, he couldn't tell through the frantic gleam in her eyes. Well, how do we break it? Baz pursed his lips. If he had a book, maybe he could blast through it. But he was all out of reading material, and Maeve certainly wasn't going to permit him back onto the Iron Dragon to get some. He flailed his arms in frustration, the clatter of footsteps on the stairs they'd just climbed growing closer. The motion rattled the necklace that had popped out from beneath his shirt when Maeve had struck him. Wait, Henrock said... He pulled the necklace over his head, noting with disappointment as he did so that he left his hat behind. With the necklace in hand, he outstretched his arm and rattled the teeth at the blocked exit. What are you doing? Baz shrugged. The big man said worms see through lies. You're putting faith in enigma and mysticism when our lives are... With a growl that cut Liana off, Baz hurled the necklace at the darkness blocking their escape. He cried out as he was suddenly blinded by sunlight. Oh! Liana gasped. Baz reached out blindly and grabbed her arm, yanking Liana forward. He attempted to gaze around through the blinding brightness as they ran. They were in a glade abundant with tall trees, though as many of them seemed to be dead as alive, as if the place had once been a beautiful haven of peace, now marred by industry. Off in the distance was a building with tall chimneys, undoubtedly another factory, but much closer was something far better. A stable. Come on! He pulled Liana along, and she stumbled after him. A boy hopped down from the stable's hayloft as they approached. Initially, he had a smile on his face, but as they neared, he obviously gathered that Baz and Liana weren't a couple out for a leisurely stroll. "'How can I?' the boy began. "'Out of the way, kid!' Baz shouted. He and Liana rushed past the stable boy into the dimness of the barn. At first, the stalls all appeared empty, and Baz thought his heart might burst straight out of his chest. But as they neared the back of the stable, a pair of horses were tethered in two adjacent stalls. He threw open the door to the first stall. The horse nickered uneasily at the sudden urgency with which its quarters had been exposed. Come on, Baz said, motioning at the horse. Liana paused. Why are you helping me? What? Baz snapped. Now really isn't the time. When Liana didn't immediately move, he said, What, do you think I'm just going to watch someone murder you? Come on. 
Liana's face twisted into an expression he couldn't read, but at least she moved. Baz dropped to one knee and locked his hands together so Liana could step up onto the horse. She did so, and with much more grace than Baz would have managed. There was no saddle on the animal, so Liana lay flat against the horse's back, arms wrapped around its neck. The beast stamped its feet, and Baz hopped back from it. "'Come on!' she cried. "'Get on the other one, and let's go!' Baz rushed to the other stall and threw open the door. He was about to hoist himself onto the horse within, but then paused, his stomach constricting like a prune in the sun. Liana? He didn't turn to face her. What are you going to do if I come with you? Her pause wasn't long, but it was enough. Baz suddenly realized what that expression on her face had meant. She'd been thinking that he was saving her from death, and that she wouldn't do the same for him. Come on, Bastion, we can worry about that once we're away. Baz slowly returned to Liana's stall. Her eyes darted down to her horse's neck, away from Baz's own. He gnawed at a fingernail. Maybe they could escape together, and then he could run away from Liana later. But where would that leave him? He could never return to a city now that Liana knew what she did. It struck Baz in that moment that he'd never see Tax again, and the thought almost broke him. He grabbed a nearby post as his knees buckled. Tax had always been the one constant in Baz's life. Once, shortly after their father had died, Baz recalled Tax having taken ill, unable to rise for over a week, but Baz had been too young to fully grasp the fear of losing his brother then. Baz wished he still possessed such ignorance. Liana was now all that remained to him of his life in erstwhile, but if he left with her, then he'd be turning his back on Emma and the Keepers. Perhaps he'd already made enemies of them, but it'd be a certainty if he picked Liana over them now. A young man and a woman? Baz heard the stable boy saying from outside. Why, yes, they went in there. They didn't have much time. Liana, Baz whispered. She looked up, tears in her eyes, but she said nothing to reassure him. It's all right, he said, permitting his fingers to brush over the top of her nearest hand. We're all just products of our environment. Baz stepped farther into the stall and slapped the horse's flank. It shot out of the stable, nearly crushing Emma and Maeve underfoot as they tried to enter. Emma fell to the ground, but Maeve was merely turned around for a moment, keeping her feet. She recovered almost instantly and, without a word, strode back out of the stable, pulling an arrow from her quiver as she did. Baz rushed after her, leaping over Emma. Liana was already a receding spot in the distance, lying low on the horse. The bow creaked back. Baz swatted out, fingertips just grazing Maeve's elbow. Baz wasn't certain if he'd had any effect on the shot, as the arrow launched true and hit Liana in the leg but Maeve's curse indicated that she'd been aiming for a mortal blow. Still, Baz doubted it felt good being shot in the leg. Liana was already too far away for him to hear her cry of pain, but her body nearly tumbled off the horse. Somehow, though, she managed to hold on, and moments later the horse had galloped too far away to see, racing east, toward erstwhile, not fortune. Whether Liana had made a conscious choice to backtrack, he didn't know, but if she made it back to Erstwild, was certain he could never return there. Never see his brother again. 
Emma, snapped Maeve. Settle that other horse and get after her. I can't believe you were fool enough to speak of Undertome in her presence. I thought she was asleep, Emma said from the stable's entrance, and tied up. She glowered at Baz. Um, er, pardon me? They all turned to the stable boy. He quickly looked to the ground as they stared at him. Sorry to interrupt, he mumbled at the ground, but you won't be able to chase her. I'm a fair enough rider, Emma said indignantly. Oh, no, miss, the boy said. It isn't that. It's the other horse in the stable. She was just unshoed. She'll be footsore for days, at least. Bloody burning books, Maeve spat. Do you have any idea what you've done? She jabbed an accusatory finger at Baz. His heart was still racing, and he wasn't sure if the moisture on his face was sweat or tears. But scribes take Maeve. He'd nothing to lose now. Saved a life, looks like to me. You idiot, she said. You've burned the whole book to fix an ink blot. You spoke of Undertome in her presence. What do you think will happen if she gets back to Erstwhile and reveals what she's learned? To Baz's dismay, the glower on his face faltered, the meaning of Maeve's words dawning on him. You just started a war, boy! Hello, friends. Welcome back to D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. Today is uh, December 18th, 2022. As I record this, which is episode number 22 of the podcast, and episode number 49 overall. Wow, we're going to hit episode number 50 next week. Um, I probably should have planned something exciting for that, but... Uh, believe it'll just be a normal episode. In fact, it's going to be an interesting episode. I'm going to be visiting uh, my family, which is two hours away from where I live, so I'm going to have to uh, come up with some sort of improvised recording setup (laughs) for next week. But but never fear, I'm committing to it here on the air. We will have an episode next week and the following week, even though I'll be still be out of town then. So uh, next week we're going to read chapter... 27 of Declaimer's Discovery, and then the following week we'll do chapter 28. So, uh, as always, tune in next week to to find out how things uh, resolve here, or, well, how things progress anyway. We just saw Baz uh, save Liana from, uh, from Maeve and Emma, though uh, he did not go with her because he realized that, you know, she, her loyalties... Uh, her loyalties ultimately lie with the conservatory, right? And she knows that he's a cuss, so he wouldn't have been safe going with her. But we'll see if he ends up being safe staying with Maven and Emma after he uh, essentially betrayed them there. So tune in next week to see what happens. Um, on the personal front this week, I have completed the first draft of Into the Dragon's Maw, which is part five of the Spoken Books Uprising. So I am into the, the editing process here now if you read the newsletter this week you saw i was kind of having a little bit of trouble uh switching into editing mode it's always a a struggle i have there's always like it it feels like about a week between when i finish a first draft and the time when i really uh am able to to dig into uh getting into editing it um but i'm uh i am there now it is just it's a shift you know drafting is mostly just using my creative brain whereas you know when i'm editing 
obviously I'm still being creative, but I have to bring some uh, uh, some of the analytical side of thought into it as well. But I'm going along here now. I've got, if you're watching on YouTube, here's my uh, my printout of comments here. I've got five pages of comments that I need to address. So I don't know if it's the most efficient way, but usually, um, I think I've said it on the podcast here before, but uh, when I am doing a first draft, I try not to go back and fix things when I realize there are issues or you know revisions that need to be made earlier on in the draft. I'll instead just leave myself comments in the margin of the Word document, and then I, uh, once I'm done with my first draft, I kind of just have this list of comments here, which is what I'm holding up to the camera on YouTube, um, that basically just tells me what I need to do to edit. So then I, I just read through that a bunch of times until I kind of have ingrained in my mind the bigger changes that need to be made, and then I just start reading again at page one and making those changes <clears throat> as I go, and then by the time I get through that read-through, I've usually corrected most of the major issues. Um, and then I just do a third read-through for, you know, consistency and voice and looking for typos. Um, and then it goes to my editor for a final proofing, and then uh, then it's a book. So um, got my hands in on the editing process now. Hopefully I'll have that done in a few weeks. Um, and the book will be released, I don't know, I think I was saying January originally. I, I It's probably going to be more sometime in the February 2023 time frame. But stay tuned or uh, make sure you sign up for the newsletter so you can get more updates on that. <coughs> uh, let's see. Um, also, like I said in the newsletter this week, all of my books are 50% off from now until the end of the year on Smashwords. Um so, you know, if you haven't used Smashwords before, it's just another another ebook retailer uh online where you can download ebooks. So all of my books are fifty percent off, which is kind of rare. I don't run a whole lot of specials on books other than the uh the first book in the series. So if you've been waiting to grab some copies of uh my ebooks, head over to head over to Smashwords and search for DT Kane and uh you can uh, pick up some copies on a sale. Um, I also have my uh, Christmas sales going on right now on my PayHip store, as I've noted in the newsletter the past few weeks. You can go to payhip.com slash dtkane. Uh, you can get my uh, ebook box set over there for cheaper than you can get it anywhere else. And I'm also selling some signed copies of uh, of the Actus Trials there as well. So check that out, dtkane.com. Well, you can go to dtkane.com, but uh, no, that's payhip.com slash dtkane if you want to take a look at the box set sale or the, the signed copies of the X trials. Um, all right. And then our quote of the week, as always, uh, this week's comes from, uh, Stephen R. Donaldson, who's the author of the Chronicles of Thomas Covenant, uh, among many other, uh, novels, the Tom, the Chronicles of Thomas Covenant are probably among my favorite fantasy books. So I like to return to Mr. Donaldson now and again for quotes. So this week's quote is, we need metaphors of magic and monsters in order to understand the human condition. And uh, if you've been uh, reading my newsletter for any length of time, you know I am on a mission to explore how novels classified as fantasies can nonetheless have real-world implications. Well, uh, Mr. Donaldson hits the nail on the head here in that regard. 
there are many things in life that are both difficult to understand and challenging to discuss. Uh, most humans are predisposed to avoiding such topics because they can lead to conflict, and our animal brains tell us that conflict is dangerous. That's where stories come in. Want to examine the evils of prejudice? It may be tough to face that your very own society has issues, but less so when confronted with the cruelty of a scar-faced colonel toward the blue-skinned inhabitants of another planet. How about the importance of friendship and love? For some, it may be too emotional to tackle directly, and yet we can all relate to the story of a girl with a magic compass and problematic parents who nonetheless uses the power of friendship, including that of a giant armored polar bear, to save the world. What about mental illness? That's surely a tough subject for most. Still, Many of us gladly explore it through the eyes of a physician's son who is drafted into the army, loses his brother, and is then enslaved, only to discover he has an invisible fairy friend and innate powers that allow him to summon blades from mid-air. Uh, perhaps the most beautiful thing about fantasy is that, often when we begin a new story, we don't even realize the lessons we're taking away from the book. We're just looking for a good time but the lessons embedded in these tales become part of us, and as we read more and more, we're exposed to a greater diversity of circumstances than our own experiences could ever produce, and with such knowledge comes empathy and understanding for others. It's a wonderful benefit to this genre that so many of us have grown to love. <laughs> um, and as always, if you'd like to submit uh, your favorite fantasy quote to me for inclusion on a future episode uh email me dtkane at dtkane.com uh, uh and for those of you keeping score at home uh the three uh stories referenced in that essay were uh avatar which is of course a movie uh his dark materials by philip pullman and the stormlight archive by brandon sanderson uh the first book of stormlight archive is the way of kings first book in the dark materials series is uh, the Golden Compass, and uh, Avatar, Avatar, of course, was written and directed by James Cameron. Uh, all right, so that is all for this week. Uh, join me next week for a, a special uh, on-location recording of uh, Chapter 27 of Declaimer's Discovery. Um, I hope you all are having and continue to have a great holiday season here. And until next time, this has been D.T. Kane's Epic fantasy book club thanks for listening to dt kane's epic fantasy book club if you liked today's episode please consider rating and reviewing wherever you listen to podcasts if you're watching on youtube give this video a thumbs up if you liked it and hit that subscribe button and the bell so you get notified whenever new episodes become available if you'd like to listen to back episodes or review the show notes visit dtkane.com podcast D.T. Kane's novels are available for purchase at most major online retailers, or you can purchase directly from his website at www.dtkane.com books. You can receive a free short story and sign up for D.T. Kane's mailing list at dtkane.com email dash sign up. If you'd like to connect, you can find D.T. Kane on Facebook at D.T. Kane Author or Twitter at D.T. Kane Author, or send D.T. Kane an email at dtkane at dtkane.com. See you next week.